Playing with finger-tapping flair and infinite sizzling skills, Eddie Van Halen was a guitar virtuoso, one for the people with a rare gift for musical invention. Eddie Van Halen combined dazzling technique with hypnic creativity and led his group Van Halen to the top of musical peaks from the late 1970s to the 1990s. On tracks like Hot For Teacher, he joined forces with singer David Lee Roth to create a swagger that had never been seen before. The Odd Couple kept the heavy rotation kits coming from the speed burner eruption to the power chords of Running With The Devil. In 1983, Eddie got Michael Jackson played on rock radio, an unimaginable feat with that guitar solo on Beat It. He then led his group from the FM dial all the way to MTV with Jump and that guitar and synthesizer that is etched in our memories forever. Today, on this very special episode of the J-Rod Concerts podcast, we welcome Jason Hanley, the Vice President of Education and Visitor Engagement at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio, to discuss all things Eddie Van Halen and to pay our respects to the guitar virtuoso. Welcome. Okay. Hey, Jamie. Jason, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Good. I'm just closing my door here so that we don't get any uh, background noise. Love it. Love it. Oh, man. You know what? I love your books, and there's a few that I have. The Janice one, a great, great biography. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help but notice. Big book of bass over here. <laughs> I know. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Jason, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, very good. Thanks for yeah, having me. Absolutely. So, so first, let me, of course, introduce you to my audience, Jason. You are the Vice President of Education and Visitor Engagement at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, we love the Hall of Fame, Jason. We go there all the time. We're actually awesome. do we're donors. We have that little white card and everything. There you um, go. <laughs> but you, Jason, you have a PhD in music education, you know, and um, everything from Stony Brook in, in New York. Yourself, you're a lifelong musician, you know, um, I mean, your dissertation was called Metal Machine Music, Technology, Noise, and Modernism in Industrial Music. So you are music pouring through your veins, and it is an honor to have you here today, Jason. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, it's a real pleasure. I'm glad to hear that, you know, you're, you've been to the Rock Hall and you've got your, your membership card. That's awesome. Hopefully absolutely. I'll see you here one time soon when the world sort of gets back to normal a little bit. Right, right. Absolutely. You know, yeah, we, and it, it'll be hopefully sooner rather than later, Jason. But, um, you know, the reason we have you today, Jason, of course, is, um, is because this week we, we, we lost, we lost a giant, right? Yeah. We lost a giant. Um, and of course I want to talk to you about it because you're an expert. Uh, but I, I just want to start by saying, it seems like the universe, the universality of the response has been so special. Hasn't it been Jason? Like even people in different lanes, hip hop, country, uh, everyone is paying tribute and memorializing the passing of Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, such sad news to hear, you know, it, it was in public knowledge that he had been dealing with cancer for a while and struggling with it. And just always tragic news to hear, you know, anybody obviously uh, passing away from an illness like that. But I think you're right, the outpouring, um, every once in a while you have somebody like Eddie Van Halen 
who is not just a great musician, a songwriter, a performer, but someone who really changed the game, you know, and that obviously is what most of our Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees are. They're people who are artists, musicians, who have really done something unique. But Eddie Van Halen, you know, I think, like you said, no matter what style of music you create, you could recognize that innovation and uh, the things that Eddie Van Halen did to change rock and roll, to change popular music. Um, and it, it's just that, that impact he had touched so many different people. Definitely, Jason, definitely. What is, um, what is your first memory of Eddie Van Halen, Jason? How old were you? Like, do you have a first, uh, you know, do you have, uh, from, from the early 80s, do you have a memory that sticks out to you personally? I do, I do. So for me, um, you know, I was um, one of those kids who, you know, drove around in the car. I'm from New York originally. And um, I was uh, living out on Long Island, you know, when I was younger. And uh, I got introduced to Van Halen through a good friend of mine. His name was Ken Johansson. I was actually friends with his, his younger brother, Dave, who was in the same class as I was in high school. And um, Ken would drive us around all the time. And he had uh, the album Fair Warning. And he would just play that in the car on cassette loop over and over every day. Um, and then that was the record that I got introduced, but of course immediately went back to Van Halen 1 and, you know, was listening to that. And then by the time 1984 came out, that's when I was absolutely hooked, right? I mean, that record for me was a seminal record. I remember buying it on vinyl and having it in my hands. Um, and of course, Ken had it on cassette tape and we listened to that in the car all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think for me, it was so cool because they were just, you know, a great rock band. You know, let's face it, Van Halen was a party band, right? The songs were just great songs. You know, David Lee Roth is just one of the all-time front men of rock and roll. Um, you had Eddie Van Halen just doing such amazing things on guitar. But I'll mention here too, on... Um, synthesizer and keyboard too, right? Yeah. Think about Jump off of 1984. That's, that is one of the all-time great 80s sort of keyboard synthesizer lines, and that's Eddie playing that. Um, you know, Michael Anthony on bass and, and Alex Van Halen on drums, they were just, you know, about as classic of a rock band as you could get. And I think for my generation, Eddie Van Halen and David Lee Roth was sort of like the Jimmy Page and Robert Plant uh, of the 80s in many ways. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jason. You know, I, I heard a quote the other day from uh, Tom Vojnar uh, of Guitar World magazine. He, he said something interesting that Eddie always kind of wanted to live down that party image a little bit, and he didn't get to as much as he wanted to, yeah. which I thought was interesting. Like maybe he didn't get to do maybe what Eric Clapton did with like an unplugged kind of thing. So just kind of wanted to get your take on that, on, on the fact that he didn't get to expand as much his potential as maybe he could have. Yeah, I totally can see that. You're right. I mean, you think about, you know, I've been thinking a lot this week about Eddie's style and his playing and even thinking about other guitar players. Again, you mentioned Clapton. To, to me, also, Jimi Hendrix comes to mind, right? We're going all the way back to Chuck Berry, who was innovating, taking jazz things and bringing them into rock and roll. And I think, you know, with Hendrix, you had him pass away before he was able to really make a shift more into jazz. It was something he was trying to do, playing with different sounds in Band of Gypsies. Um, but I think Eddie Van Halen was so well known <laughs> for that hard rock band sound yeah. that 
you can hear aspects of even classical music and finger picking and the tapping he would do. Mm -hmm. All of that is coming from different traditions of guitar playing. Um, you know, there's even some elements in there that, that might relate to classical music, or you, you hear people play Astor Piazzolla or something. You can hear pieces of that in, in Eddie's music, but you're right. He never really got to branch out and do that. And, you know, sometimes artists do that. You think of Billy Joel, who really wanted to do classical piano and recorded an album of classical piano music he wrote, but it didn't really go anywhere, right? And he ended up coming back to playing his rock and roll in the end. But I think that's that's that level of talent that he had, that he was always hearing other sounds and innovating and kind of never resting on a sound. He always wanted to do more and something different. Yeah. You're totally right, Jason. And I think you can see to your point, when you listen to bootlegs or, or maybe some live recordings, they don't sound, he doesn't play like the, like the album versions at all. Right. But right. they're just as good. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so it's, I, was, I was thinking about that too, like you were saying live records, right? Eddie was often playing the rhythm and lead guitar at the same time. You know, there, there's usually not another guitar player in Van Halen. And I was even thinking, you know, Obviously, we're all so enamored with something like Eruption, right? Which is just a crazy, you know, incredible him tapping and playing and soloing. But then you just listen to some other songs and just even the riffs, the, the basic guitar riffs he would play, the power chords, they're just so good. And, you know, he's, okay. he's playing the riff and he sneaks in a little, uh, you know, a harmonic at the end of it. Uh, so that even that playing, that basic rhythm guitar playing, he was just so good at. And you're right, he would never play it exactly the same. That's why you know, seeing Van Halen live was such a great experience because Eddie would always be doing something unique, right? Definitely, definitely, Jason. And um, for, for maybe my audience that is not uh, technically, that they just enjoy the music, but technically they don't know the terms, what made Eddie so good in his guitar playing? What made him unique, Jason? I think he fit in that category. You know, I mentioned Chuck Berry or Jimi Hendrix or Eric Clapton. Or even more recently, I think someone who was influenced by Eddie Van Halen, you had a whole generation of guitarists after him, Steve Vai, um, um, Joe Cetriani, mm. um, Tom Morello. These are guitar players who are interested in always innovating and doing something new. And if you, which I did, you know, unfortunately after Eddie passed the other day, I went back and I just started listening to all my old Van Halen albums again. And Eddie's guitar playing on Van Halen 1 is not the same as his guitar playing on 1984. That's not the same guitar playing you hear on, you know, for lawful carnal knowledge. Like every record is, is changing. Um, and he's always trying to do something new. And at that point, even hearing later live versions of early songs, he's changing it. And, you know, he got that even from, Eddie had a, a close relationship and was really in love with the music and the innovation of Les Paul. You know, Les Paul is a guitar player and an innovator of the Les Paul, Gibson Les Paul guitar. Yeah. You know, Les Paul never did anything the same twice. And I was lucky enough personally to get to work with and, and um, see Les Paul and, and do some stuff here at the Rock Hall with him before he passed away. Mm -hmm. And at the end of his life, Les Paul had arthritis and it was very hard for him to move his hand. But he found ways to rebar <laughs> chords and play them. I was like, how is he doing that? Like he's found a way to take the fact that he can't even do what he used to do and make wow. it work. Um, Eddie Van Halen was like that. He was always finding something different to do with it, but it still was great rock and roll. He knew when to just settle in and get into that riff 
and chug away on that guitar for a while so that we feel the emotion and the power of it uh, like a good rock band is going to do. What a phenomenal story. Thanks for sharing that, Jason. That's great. Um, wanted to ask you a little bit about the Sammy Hagar years, right? Because um, um, Maybe some people have... I, had... am, I am also a fan of the Sammy Hagar years, but go ahead. Perfect. No, no, no. I love, great, 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 great. I'll, I'll let you take it away in a minute. Because I thought that Eddie, um, he alluded to this time as more serious rock to him, right? Like, like to him, yeah. um, he thought he was doing more adult, dignified, a little bit, music, if you will. <laughs> which is interesting. Um, so just, you know, yeah, take it away. What do you make of this era with Sammy Hagar? Again, there's, there's no doubt, I think, what most fans will talk about is the band Van Halen is not the same band when Sammy's in it as is when David was in it. And I think, you know, you mentioned earlier, Jamie, this kind of party image. I do think Eddie tried to get away from that a little bit later with, with Sammy. But 5150, uh, which, again, I was a fan of when it came out, you know, you can hear Sammy Hagar still trying to do a little bit of the Eddie Van Halen, I mean, a little bit of the David Lee Roth sort of shtick and, and routine. Um, but there's a good example, even with the keyboard playing again. You think of a song like Dreams. Yeah. Right? Um, that's beautiful keyboard playing in the beginning of that. And that's Eddie playing that there, too. Um, I think the songs, you know, started to mature in that sense a little bit, right? Like, you know, right now song that they put out later these are songs that start to maybe even have a little bit of a different social conscience and think about things in a different way um the songwriting and the lyric writing maybe is is, is trying to move forward so i really appreciate that era and i think yeah if you're gonna it's hard to put the two side by side and compare them but if you think of it as two different eras of van halen um i think there's something to appreciate in each of those and I will say one of the things that hit me the other day that really uh, was very sad to think about is that you had Van Halen with David and then he left and they were able to have a, another version of Van Halen right. um, with Sammy. And then even you know something more recently with David back and Wolfgang playing bass instead of Michael. Right. But I don't think you can ever have Van Halen without Eddie Van Halen. And you know, that's, that's the end of that. I sort of how I felt when Neil Peart passed away a number of years ago. Yeah. But, all right. Well, that's that's kind of the end of Rush. You know, like you might get Getty and Alex doing something, um, but you're not going to get Rush like we had it. And I right. think that's the same thing here with Van Halen. We might see David or other people go out, or Sammy and Michael do Van Halen music. Right. But that that sound we were just talking about that uniqueness to Eddie Van Halen and what he brought to the band. That's just, you know, that music will live on forever. It's one of the great things yeah. of why working here at the Rock Hall is so great. We honor that every day. You know, we've been playing Van Halen music in the museum for the last two days here. That's nonstop. great. That's yeah, great. It's, it's a great thing to walk out there. And, you know, we've got uh, a couple of his guitars on display, uh, an entire re uh, piece that he did with us of his guitar rig. But uh, we'll have that music forever, but we're not going to have Eddie Van Halen doing that anymore. Absolutely, absolutely, Jason. And uh, you mentioned Wolfgang, so I wanted to ask one of the one of the hats that you were in there in the in the Rock Hall is you help organize those fantastic uh, yearly concerts, right? In, in Brooklyn and and in Cleveland. Uh, I was, by the way, side note, super upset because this was the first year that I had tickets. You know, for uh, yeah. So whatever, COVID. But anyway, long story. Well, I digress. It will be on on November seventh. You will be able to watch it on HBO. Watch it right. We're have a a special presentation so that the inductees will 
get it, but I, I don't know if you heard, Jamie, we are. It's guaranteed the inductions are going to be back in Cleveland in 2021. Fingers crossed. Hopefully everything improves and it'll be exciting to have it back here. So hopefully we'll get to see you uh, here in Cleveland for that. Absolutely. That would be great, Jason. But, but yes, so of course you did the 2007 ceremony, which was obviously Eddie was not able to attend. Right. Uh, Wolfgang was. Uh, just kind of wanted maybe for you to give us a little bit inside the curtain, inside uh, like that whole induction with Van Halen, right? Like uh, maybe, you know, the whole machinations of Eddie not being able to come and some story with that. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Those things are always, uh, they make for interesting stories. You know, I think it was, if you look back at some of that, um, even at the time, Sammy and Michael, who came and, and performed and were there, uh, you know, Velvet Revolver uh, and Slash inducted them. Uh, Michael and, and Sammy were very sad that the rest of the band wasn't there. You know, they, they had even commented at the time that the way Metallica had been inducted, where it was Jason Newstead, you know, and Robert Trujillo, and they even brought, you know, Cliff's parents in and they, they honored him uh, at this ceremony. Sammy really had hoped that we were, would have been able to do something like that. But if you think of that time in Van Halen history, that's a pretty tumultuous time, right? That's right when David is coming back into the fold and they had done that greatest hits record that has a new song with David and some stuff with Sammy and like Michael wasn't sure where he fit because he was doing chicken foot with... Uh, it was Satriani, right? Uh, and um, and Sammy and that and that yeah. band. So I think that was just a very tumultuous time for Van Halen as an organization. And I think it's funny they were always they were always so like um, what's for lack of a better word like territorial, right? It was it's yeah. one of their one of the things going back to 1983 when Motley Crue and Rats followed them and all that. Right. It's like uh, wow. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it's also, we were just talking about the two eras, the Sammy era and the David era, but it's almost like those two, like there's a law of physics somewhere that says those two can't occupy the same space at the yeah. same time. Right? It, like, it could never happen. No, it could never happen. And I think that was what happened in the induction. It was unfortunate, but you couldn't physically, there's a law of physics that says you can't put the two <laughs> Yeah, and listen, and uh, it will never be unproven. I feel like that's the final conclusion on that. Wow. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh. Yeah, like true. Yeah. Oh, wow, Jason. Well, listen, you've been so generous with your time. One last question. You kind of alluded to a little bit, but uh, what um, for maybe my audience that has not gone to the Rock Hall or or, or like what uh, displays do we have for Van Halen? What if is there anything special? Where can we find this memorabilia? What can you tell us? Yeah, I will say one thing not to lead with something that's not here anymore, but we have a great exhibit that is up right now called Play It Loud. And we have a bunch of Eddie's uh, stuff in there. We did have the original Frankenstein in that exhibit early on, but it got uh, traded out. Because every once in a while we change artifacts, sometimes artists want certain things yeah. back. Um, and he had given us the original Frankenstein guitar for a very limited period of time. Uh, it was wow. pretty awesome. That displayed in a case where you could see the front and the back. And you can like see where he chiseled out to put the new, uh, you know, um, pickups in it. But we do have um, two of his custom electric guitars that are named after Wolfie, you know, the Wolfgang guitars that he, he did, the later ones. And they're really beautiful. They're, um, you know, those ones that he had designed specifically for him. We have a setup uh, on the sixth floor as part of Play It Loud of the 2012-2013 guitar rig that he used. 
and it is awesome. You know, it's the EDH oh. amps, and it's big, and you can see it in this giant case. And up there, uh, we also have um, a, a pedal board set up that he used for effects um, in the 90s. So you can see that up in the space. Mm -hmm. And there is also um, a, a later version he made, because you know, a lot of those famous guitars he had multiple versions of. So we have a later version that was a um, Super Strat, like the 78 that he had, and um, the Bubble Bee guitar. And he had oh, it's not the original but it's one of the ones he played on stage later on uh so there's a lot of eddie van halen in the museum so it's yeah. really cool it's great I to be able it. to be here and see it um and you know don't forget even on our hall of fame floor uh you can come and see the plaque with the signatures of all the guys on it that's up nice there. beautiful um and you know even for those who can't visit the museum we are open by the way a lot of people don't realize but even with uh the pandemic with covid we following safety protocols you you have to wear your mask when you're in the museum but, uh, we're open so you can come in and check out all the van halen stuff and other great artists but even online we yeah. have a lot of great things you can see on rockhall.com and being that i'm in charge of the education area i'll also let everyone know we do have something called rockhall edu that you can find on the website where we have lots of educational materials and for a lot of families who are maybe at home right now and looking for different things to do with their kids there's a lot of free educational resources around rock and roll that teach kids about history and science and English and, and language arts um, and the history of rock and roll. And that's all free on the Rock Hall website, including some great stuff about Van Halen and a really cool video about the history of electric guitar that you can watch there as well. Amazing. Amazing, Jason. Wow. You said, you've said it all. I'll leave you with this. When you have uh, like uh, school, school children that go to the Rock Hall uh, from Northeast Ohio or from whatever, how do you teach them um, about like the wild eras, you know, like, uh, you know, like Van Halen, 1983. How, how do you, how do you tell the kids, you know, this guy's just snort cocaine of, <laughs> like, how do you tell them? I'm just curious. That's, it's a great question, Jamie. It's actually something that I, I've talked about before from an educational standpoint. You know, there's so many layers to rock and roll, right? And that's the thing that's amazing about working here at the museum is that the entryway and the connection to rock and roll is going to be different for everybody who comes in, right? So there's one group of folks who want to think about that wild party era of rock and roll, you know, that started with Led Zeppelin and The Who and continues through um, you know, Van Halen and on to other bands, there's some people who come because rock and roll connects to a memory of their life. Yeah. So the school groups, we bring them in and, and we don't talk about a lot of that, um, the sort of debauchery of rock and roll, but we occasionally do talk about rock and roll's relationship to drugs. I mean, you can't mm -hmm. talk about the psychedelic rock era and like Jefferson Airplane right. and Breaking Dead without saying, hey, there was an experience that people were having around drugs at the time and why were they doing that? How did that affect their art? What happened? Uh, obviously, we don't advocate drug use and drug addiction. You know, unfortunately, how many rock artists we've lost, you know, from uh, drugs over the years. Too right? many, too many. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, we, we have a diff it's interesting. There's always a different entryway to everybody into this art form. And sometimes it's just a personal memory. You know, I remember yeah. when, you know, my story that I told you earlier about my, my buddies, Dave and Ken, and listening to Van Halen in the car. And, and that came back to me clear as day when I heard about Eddie passing away because I remember driving around in the car listening to Van Halen when I was younger. And that, that's something that'll stick with me forever. You know? Epic, epic, Jason. Well, listen, you've said it all. 
I hope that um, we get to connect, not just when giants pass away, you know? I, right. I, don't wanna, I, I don't want us to become like those media relationships that it's like, hey, let's talk about another giant that died. Right. It's, it's, it's hopefully some good stuff as well. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jamie. Thanks for having me on and, and yes. talking. And I hope if you make it to Cleveland, if you get here for oh, the yeah. inductions next year, look me up too. It'd be great I to love see it. you in person.